0: everyone and thanks for tuning in to the seven millennial podcast a community dedicated to ambitious and successful millennial entrepreneurs and today with us we have kelly with give list which is an amazing company and platform that takes the guesswork out of gift giving you can voice what you actually need and want easily contribute to other people's lives donate directly to organizations and individuals and so much more Just like any other entrepreneurs, Kelly had to overcome so many challenges. And just like any other entrepreneur, she started with just an idea and a dream that she believed is going to work. She had to put the right people in the right places, hire the right humans for the jobs, figure out how to fundraise and find financing for her project and how to make it all work. So during this episode, she's going to be sharing all of her tips and secrets with us. And with that, let's just jump right in. Hi, Kelly. Thank you for joining us today. Super excited to have you. Tell us more and I guess all of our listeners, what do you do? What is GiveList about and how did you get started?
1: Yeah. So I have a nonprofit and a for-profit as part of what we're working on. And it got started as just a way to meet unmet needs, right? And and voice unmet needs. So the tool itself, the platform itself, is simply a universal wish list so that anybody can make a wish a wish list of things that they might want or need and then share that with friends or they can you know make it public and people can search for it. And the idea behind that is just that you know right now the only way to kind of easily know what someone wants is either an Amazon wish list or a wedding registry or baby shower registry. And obviously there are a ton more things that could happen in someone's life where where we would want people to feel surrounded by their community and uplifted by their community and supported. And then as far as Amazon wish lists or or you know store specific wish lists, you're only going to get kind of the things in that space and in that store. And there's a lot of things that you can't find. And, and maybe even like smaller shops, um, things that are sustainably made, things like that. So that's essentially what we're doing is trying to allow people with with wants or needs to voice what those are and other people to find them and quickly, easily give them a gift. And so contributing to one another's lives and making the world a better place in that way.
0: I love it. I love the mission. And how did you come up with the idea?
1: So there was a time where I kind of was in this really low spot in my life. And you know, at the same time, I was... I was using wedding registries a lot and I was celebrating a lot of the milestones of my friends. And I was thinking, you know, I don't know that I will get married. I don't know that this is my path. And so there have to be so many other people that feel this way. Right. So at a certain point when you're, we're celebrating other people's lives, you know, if that's not your path or your, your milestones, it starts to kind of feel like a little, left out or a little, you know, there's something more there that, that can be done that, you know, you're missing. Um, and so that kind of started it. But then um, you know, I wasn't sure I was the one to do it right. I was like, I have no experience. This is, you know, not something I, so I continued my regular day life job. And then my, my friend, my best friend in the whole world of 27 years got cancer. And I went through, you know, her process with her and saw what she needed. And it kind of came back to her mind, you know, like she really needed some help and to be able to say what she specifically wanted. There were people who wanted to help her and it was hard for her to, to kind of communicate with each of those people. So it came back to top of mind as something that like this is not only something that might celebrate people's lives, but also might really help them when they need Something, and then there was you know Hurricane Irma and and Maria, which were back to back, and I was you know really kind of distressed about that situation and the people in Puerto Rico and the Virgin Islands. And it occurred to me again, you know, I've worked for nonprofits throughout my whole life, and oftentimes people send things that are unneeded, right? So the second disaster is when you get a bunch of of items just sitting in the way that people have donated, but, but that you don't need, and now you have to find a space to put them and they cause problems. So again, that was kind of the third time for me to go, this really is something I feel like I'm being asked to bring into the world. <laughs> and, um, you know, every time along the way that I would down or quiet about it, and not sure, um, something very serendipitous happened and would bring the vision back to life. And so I guess at a certain point, I was I was just like, this is my mission. I am here to bring this out to whatever. And, and you know, once I get it out in the hands of people and they can use it however they want, then it has its own life, right? But I have to at least create it and bring it to them in the best form that I can um, and see what it can do to help people.
0: I love how you took, obviously, negative experiences and turned them into something positive. And I mean, your product and the company was born. And I guess in terms of how is it going now? Where are you guys at? Are you global? Are you still in beta? Are you open to everyone to go in and register?
1: Yeah, it's kind of crazy because we started with absolutely nothing and and no resources and no real network for doing this because i'm you know I'm a first time founder it's not like I had, like, knew this was coming. I spent a long time, actually, it was me solo for like three years. And that's a long time when you're trying to start a company, right? You usually get up and running more quickly. But if you have zero money to spend, you end up just kind of trying to build things yourself and be really scrappy and resourceful. And so throughout that process, I've already had a lot of respect for people in that position. But I, I really understand what it is to have talent or an idea or something that you want to bring to the world and be limited by money, capital, resources, things like that. And honestly, it only really made me drive harder, like care more about doing this, especially for the people who, you know, also need to bring what they're doing into the world. And so... where we are now is we are still in kind of like this alpha phase I basically built a website just to test and and it went really really well and people loved it and I loved having it and I you know when you see somebody using something the way that you hope they would or even using it in a way you didn't expect that they would it's really exciting and it keeps you going and it makes you want to do more so I brought on a co-founder and there's a couple of other things kind of coming together and we're going to do a fundraise so that we can complete our beta and That way, people can go out and they can actually make their own wish lists and, you know, be in charge of their profile, share their stories. And I think there will be something really cool about that sharing your story piece. And so we are kind of on that verge of the next bigger product and the the more capable product. And we're getting ready to do the fundraise now. And potentially even we WeFunder, we're thinking about that. It's been a really exciting thing for a lot of companies lately. And a lot of my founder friends are seeing a lot of success. So yeah, that's where we're at right now. And honestly, it's been, people are waiting for me to finish it. You know, I get questions all the time. They're like, can I use this? Is this ready? Can, you know? And so, one of the projects that we're doing, the way that we've been doing it is having people send lists to us and then we post them for them and we kind of make, we, we take care of the whole transaction process. We want to hand that over and let that be something that they can do because that's a better way to scale. But right now we have a couple of projects going on. One is a team of nurses going to the Dominican Republic and they've gone every year. And this last year during COVID, they couldn't go. And so I've seen pictures they sent of like bare shelves. And so like they're ready. They need to get back down there because the people down there have been relying on them to come and bring them medicines. Like they're on our radar there. We have their list up and we just released that. And so they're starting to take in money and starting to get momentum with their project, which is super, super exciting. So (laughs) that's kind of where we are.
0: This is amazing. Okay, so in terms of being the first founder and I guess first time founder, Uh, Walk us through the process because, I mean, there's a lot of people who believe that, you know, they don't have the skills, they don't have what it takes, they don't have the experience and, you know, everything is stuff. And here you are building a platform by yourself, I guess, cheap and cheerful. Walk us through the process.
1: I was that person who was like, there's no way I would ever be a founder. That just, it didn't occur to me in my life that I had the, you know, resources available to do that. I didn't. But I think what happens is when there's an idea that won't let you sleep and when, you know, you just can't feel like you're doing enough until you like build this thing, then it drives you and you find ways. And it's surprising how, when you get to that place of just finding ways, how many other people have done the same thing and you're kind of inspired by, wow, this person didn't have it together either, but they like took it and they ran with it and they have something amazing now. And so I think, what I would say about how that all happens and how that works is there's no specific straightforward way. I would say, you know, ask as many other founders as you can, everything that you can along the way, because I feel like they are the wealth of knowledge that has taken me to this point. I think it has to be that you are in that struggle to recognize how much it's needed to be able to network and to, and to talk to other people. And so, you know, if, if anybody has any ideas that they want to test or, or try to figure out how to work out, like reach out to me, reach out to founders who've, who've kind of made it through that big, scary phase of this isn't going to happen. Um, because that's the biggest, biggest part, right. Is you're looking at something that does not exist and you're making it that way. You're creating it. And, and sometimes that's a really, really big thing. And it's so overwhelming and it's so scary and it takes much longer than you think. But then all of a sudden, one day, it just kind of like goes fast. So I'd say if there's something that's driving you and it's on your heart to do, like absolutely do it and reach out and people will help, you know, no matter what you have or don't have, you can keep getting answers if you really care, you know?
0: I like it. And then in terms of the money, obviously you were able to build the platform or I mean, the prototype in a way convey your idea to people before you even raise the money. So I'm sure that's the process
1: everybody could go through. How did you do it? Yes. So that was actually really tough for me because um, being that we are a tech enabled platform, the tech is what we needed. And I I don't code. And so, you know, there was, Everything accessible to me. I mean, I went through every every exercise of laying foundations, you know, and business plan and lean canvas and all of this stuff, you know, market research and all of the things that you're supposed to do, but I could not build that tech. And so it was the, the big piece that was kind of keeping me. And I went to people early, and I didn't technically fundraise because I wasn't quite sure how to do that yet. But I went to people who I thought could maybe help me with the money to put toward the tech, and they would always kind of be like, "Well, you know, you're too early," or which really just means that they don't get it yet. They're not, you know, they're not there. They don't. They're not interested or whatever. And we were very, very early, but you can kind of find ways you realize if you're absolutely dying for something. It's not, uh, it's not the most glamorous thing ever, but you can find ways to make the most minimum thing and have people use it and prove the concept that way. It is really tough. I'm not going to lie. I do wish that there was a better way for founders in that extremely fragile, fragile early stage to get, you know, access to maybe some of the things they need to build the product. That's probably the hardest part, but what I came, but I I felt very beat up through the path, through the the path. I I asked for help so many times. I wasn't getting it. I didn't know how to do this. I was like, I'm going to start coding on my own soon if I don't, you know, find a way. Um, But now there's things like proto IO and no code platforms and things like this. So, you know, I think, it shows that you really, really want it if you if you don't have any cash and you can still put something together. And it and it gives you an idea too, which is this is was cool for me of how people will use your product. You get really close to the product and you kind of have you kind of feel like, what are the most essential parts? What do I have to have to get this, you know, make this experience happen? And going through that exercise is valuable. It's frustrating, but it's valuable. So if you have to, I mean, I literally did every single thing that I didn't know how to do. And I would be so, it was so overwhelming at first. I'm like, I don't know the first thing about intellectual property law. I don't know the first thing about, you know, all of these things that you, the hats that you have to wear and, you know, you, you make it through it. You kind of, you learn, you do your best and you make it through it. And then, you know, you just pull that all together. And eventually, as soon as you possibly can, surround yourself with a team of people who are excited about it as well.
0: So did you have to
1: hire a developer or did you use one of the no code platforms or you did both? Yeah. So I actually just went on GoDaddy and I built a website and it was funny because it didn't do what it should. Um, It was one of the like templates, right? And I hacked at it until I could find workarounds that would make it available for me to do what I was trying to accomplish in like a really messy way. Like messy as in it just shouldn't have been the experience, but it is. And it worked. It was enough for people to start to transact and do things and and see some momentum. And I think what was super cool about it, what worked the most was me knowing that I just put something out there and that people actually did want to use it. That was encouraging enough for me to keep going and saying okay like it because I know people who who do you know who are developers and who are great at things and and I've asked several of them for advice and they've been amazing you know but um, I just couldn't get someone to sit down and take the time and build a thing that's a lot to ask you know so yeah I did essentially, it was the no code kind of thing because I built a website using a template. And all I did was put together the pieces in a a weird way, like on the back end, like kind of loophole my way to get the functionality that I wanted (laughs) that didn't exist before. It wasn't really supposed to be that way, but I made it work. (laughs) How much time did it take you? It took more time in the, I'm scared and I have no idea how to, to do this realm, because the the lead up to it was like, how in the world do I even start to build this? Like, what do I even do? But then once I started doing it, I think I'm a person. And I think a lot of founders are that when you get your hands on a problem, it gets exciting to solve. Once I got in there, and I saw like, okay, here's what, here's the blocks, here's the pieces that I'm working with. How do I arrange that? How do I make that? you know, work for me. That wasn't that long. Um, And I think the the most labor intensive part has been putting together the lists for people. So they'll say, hey, there's, these are the things I want, and I have to go in the back end and then add those in. Because it's not like they're going to hand it to me on a, you know, CSV that I can easily upload saying the product, price, the description and all of this stuff, right? They just give me a link. So I have to go do the, the back. And and if I could have coded, I would have like scraped that information. It would have been no big deal. But, you know, I, I had to take the harder route. And the great news is the minute that you prove that people are interested and, and excited to use it and that, that your product is doing what you, you thought it would do, then you can get the help of the people who are able to code and do things more easily and so eventually we did get a development shop to take on kind of the bigger product and that's the beta that we're working on right now so we're kind of like in the middle of that process
0: that's incredible okay so hustle did, did pay off it's all it was <laughs> I, perseverance and that's what that's what we usually talk about honestly every single entrepreneur that comes on the show literally says the same thing they didn't know how to do it Google is out there, everything you need to know, somebody's already probably done it or some kind of iteration of it. Don't reinvent the wheel, just go for it and you'll figure it out step by step. And that's kind of what you did, Nat. I really love that. Now, in terms of how it works right now, so obviously I went on the platform, I tried to, to see this, the things and it's really sleek in the way where, you know, with Amazon, you, you can see their products. With, with yours, you can just see a product And it's simple because it's just the price, the description. You don't need to worry about where it's coming from. You'll deliver it straight to the person. But the variety of products is crazy. Like it's anything from lettuce and lavender to yoga pants and air fryers. How is it possible and how much work is it for you? And how does it actually work in terms of the product? Do I copy the link when I want something and I'll send it to you and then you'll upload it?
1: Currently, that's how it has to work and that's really bulky and it's it's not the way that we want people to have it work. What we want is for them to kind of like Pinterest you know, be able to just click anywhere that they are. If they see something they like, just add it to their wish list. You know, so it's just a browser extension or a way to say, "Hey, I want this." I'm bookmarking it, essentially, adding it to this wish list. And yeah, I love that variety is exactly the the point of doing it. Just because you know, there's no way for people to find everything they need on on Amazon. And it's funny because I I knew that a long time ago. Um, sorry. Jeff, but like, we've been marketed and told, you know, along the way that they have every single thing that you could ever want. But in fact, they have general items. And if you want like a hairbrush, like you can find that thing, you know, but there's a lot of specific things not there. And and what I think is interesting, and kind of more to your question, the smaller retailers, the people who are creating cool products are easy to work with and excited to put their products on the platform. Because, um, you know, if they're just their kind of one person shop, it's hard to get a voice and get out there, right? But if there's people who say, oh, I, I want this thing, and then they put it on their list and other people see it, that's actually a lot of really good exposure for that, that person or that product. And the way that I came across this to a degree is that I had a couple people use the platform in a very strange way, which was a, a not a non-intended way, but they went on and instead of buying the thing for the person who had it on their list, they bought it for themselves off of the list. And I was like, okay, you know, that's, that's interesting. And it, one of them wasn't, it wasn't for, you know, themselves, it was for someone that they knew. But what's cool about it is you have somebody in that demographic and in that um, kind of mind space selecting a gift that they want and it makes it easier if you just don't want to shop around and you're like oh okay like woman you know this age whatever putting together this thing or eight-year-old boy like you kind of get an idea of what people want and what's so cool about that is just that like even if you don't go and specifically buy something off of someone's list you're getting an idea of what's out there what's trending what people like you know what I mean so it's kind of a discovery um, a bit. and I think that the smaller you know, brands and retailers enjoy that being part of that process. And so really everything is just kind of waiting to, I would say, almost explode as soon as we have it available for people to, you know, use on their own. Because like you said at the moment, people send me a link, you know, they send me the list of links. They give me their name and I just put like a last initial or I just put, you know, something to indicate it's them. And they can either share that link with the people they want or in the future they'd be able to just as it is right now, the ones that are there are all public. And so you can have your public profile and people, and this is what I hope happens. People can just go in and gift people things. Like, I think the idea of having someone just contribute unexpected kindness to your life is such a boost and such a lift. you know what I mean and so to have something good happen in your day and get something that maybe even is a tool that you need to do better work or something you know that you really want and and hope someone would care that you need could just be bought by a random stranger if they feel like it. I love that idea so much
0: <laughs> it's It's great, and I mean it's like you know buying a coffee for someone behind you at Starbucks, and that's basically on a bigger scale you can go somewhere and make a more meaningful purchase, something that they actually need. Now, in terms of the product, would it be an opportunity for me if I give you a list of, I don't know, Lululemon Mm pants and lettuce from Safeway and something else from somewhere else? It basically will put in all the brands, all the companies into one list or are we focusing only on local in the area?
1: It's whatever anybody wants. We, you know, we want just anything you want, but we do hope that we can be a spotlight for local. You know, that is something that the local is a little more difficult just because, you know, oftentimes they don't necessarily even have a storefront on the internet. And so like, it takes a little bit more work, but it's actually something that we totally love. Oh, this is amazing.
0: Okay. So this is crazy. Now, when is it coming out and how much are you fundraising and how are you preparing
1: yourself for this journey? We're scheduling October as when it kind of comes out the like official release. We are fundraising probably coming up in this next month and we're raising about $300,000 and we thought about, you know, doing some of that maybe crowdfund or supplementing crowdfund and the reason being this product is something that we want community to own. It builds community, it is community, it supports community, like we want the people who own it also to be part of the community. And so the crowdfund model, you know, that gives ownership and benefit to people that not just they're not just using your company, they're part of it, they own it, you know? And so I, I really like that idea. And so I think that within the next month, we'll be kind of launching those those two things, one being the, the 300,000 raise and then the other being the, the crowdfund. As far as me being ready, I've been ready for three years, you know, I mean, I think I've told people this before, but you know, when you're a founder and you don't have the resources, sometimes it feels like you're trying to build a house with like popsicle sticks and rubber bands and some twisty ties or something, you know, it's like you literally just don't have what you need, but you have these big goals and big ideas and like your heart is all in it and you just need a little fuel, you know, to, to fire that like kind of takeoff. You know, sometimes maybe the the timing isn't right. What I've realized is that timing is everything and sometimes people aren't ready for what you're putting out in front of them. And as things have happened and and through the pandemic, people have gotten more used to buying things online. People have gotten, you know, and so there's, there's certain things that kind of line up in, in the market and in the the you know general kind of atmosphere um, that, that help. And so I think it's ready. I couldn't be more ready. But the thing is, you're never ready, right? Like my heart is ready, but like everything that's going to come at me, I have literally no idea how I'm going to solve, but I've been doing that for three years. Like everything that's come at me, I had no idea how to fix the whole time it was happening. So I mean, it, I'm as prepared as I can be. <laughs>
0: Perfect. You just have to have the attitude, which I mean, you have, that you're going to get through whatever it takes. Now, how do you deal with the negative feedback or I'm sure some people who tell you that this is not going to work or this idea is crap and some days
1: nothing works and you're probably like, why am I even doing this? How do you get through those days? Yep. That happens all the time. And one thing that I was surprised the most about is how there were strangers cheering me on. Whereas like my family and friends were like, are you still doing this? <laughs> you know, and it's like, cause if it doesn't exist yet, you're selling an idea. And I've never been a salesperson. I just want to add value. I just want to be like, here's a thing. It's, it's great. You know? So until something exists, it's hard to put in front of them and get their buy-in. And so you really just have to I think I maybe this is a theme I've been trying to say throughout the whole thing, but like, love what you're doing and be so close to the problem that you want to solve. You know, like, I absolutely want to solve a problem for people. I want to offer them something that's going to make their lives better. And so, the times when you're down and you're like, this just isn't going to work, hearing something from a customer or a user or someone else who's like, this is cool. That's everything. That's all I need. You know what I mean? I don't need anybody else to like sing my praises. I don't need anybody to be like, this is great. It's the people I'm building it for that actually drive this entire thing for me. And that's another piece of like the being ready and and getting it out there. I'm fully willing because I'm just such a like an accidental founder, if you will, I'm fully willing to be super transparent and allow people to help solve the problem with me. Like I am opening this up and being like, let's do this. Like I want to solve a problem in the world, like jump in, you know? And so I, I just think that the, the driving force is wanting to to create something good for people. And if you're always coming back to that and you realize the problems your customers are having, there's really, it just centers you, focuses you, you know?
0: You're absolutely right, and I mean, in terms of family and friends, sometimes uh, if they're not your target market, you know, they they might not provide the valuable feedback. So you're absolutely right. Get the valuable feedback that you need from your customers and people who are actually going to use the platform. That's just basically what it is. And sometimes family and friends are scared, and they want the best for you, and maybe sometimes they want you to just get a job and (laughs) not stress yourself out. But yeah. If you have passion and purpose, that's all that matters.
1: Yeah, you can't help it. Yeah, you can't help it. And it's it, what you said was very, very um, spot on, which is, you know, they might not be your target market. You find that a lot of times when you're speaking to to people, especially like, you know, men, unfortunately, a lot of them are not my target market. But those are also the people who are the money holders in a, in a large, you know, way. Um, and so in the beginning, when I was kind of just trying to put this out there and get people's uh, opinions on it and thoughts on it, the men were kind of like, I don't get it. Whereas like I would tell someone younger or I would tell a woman and they were like, Oh, awesome. You know? And so I think if I had let it bother me that like the deciders, right? The, the people who had the money to give, if I let it bother me that they didn't, they weren't really there. It wasn't really there for them. It hadn't clicked. And part of that is me learning how to tell the story better. Right. And I've, I've done that hopefully, but I, I, you can't allow that to determine what happens it's got to be the people that are your champions the people you're making it for so you just have to super focus
0: so in terms of being a a female in tech i mean and then that's that's one of the favorite topics because i meet a lot of females and you know money raising is also obviously a thing there's been studies done that you know some companies led by women have harder time Often raising money. What would be your advice for females that are in tech and finance trying to make it, trying to be rock
1: stars? I'm just, you know, coming from the heart with all of this and just coming from what comes to the top of my head. But one thing that really surprised me was the availability of support from other women i was shocked and amazed and uplifted and i didn't expect it because i think a lot of times depending on how you're raised and what your situation is a lot of times other women um seem like competitors right and like you know you see what they're doing and they look like they're they've got it so together and they're just crushing it and you're like i can't possibly talk to this person about my problems like there's no way you know what i mean but women have come and and absolutely surrounded and uplifted me in ways that I never, ever expected. And I'm so grateful. And and so I would say, and this is part of the bias, right? As a person who's kind of internalized a lot of that for myself, when I would be in a, in a room, I would assume the men were the people I needed to speak to. And granted, you know, they do have a lot of the kind of keys to the kingdom, if you will. But like the women have a lot of ways of getting things done. And so I learned in myself that I was, bias toward thinking that the, the the power decision makers were the men. And I'm like, man, was, was I absolutely wrong how women are extremely helpful and will support you. I won't continue to go on about it, but I just can't say enough about how much I learned about how other women are your allies. It's incredible.
0: You are absolutely right. And I mean, you just have to find your tribe. And there's a lot of women in venture capital, angel investors, and corporations, founders who are really supportive. So, I mean, I think we've gotten very far over the past five years, I would say, for sure. I'm in finance and tech, so I see it very often. And I think now more than ever, a lot of amazing females coming up with great startups supporting each other. So it's very nice to see. In terms of your entrepreneurial journey, if you could go back (laughs) and give advice to
1: your younger self, what would it be? Oh my gosh, that is such a great... I think I would say, you know, kind of step back a little bit and get out of your head because I was so focused and driven in these, these places that I thought were super important. But as you go through the journey, you kind of get a bigger lens um, and, it, you know, you don't have to push so hard on the things you think you need. You know, sometimes things will Make themselves available, or you will be guided a little bit by just the way that things work. And so, you know, I've always been a bit of a, a overworker, overachiever. Like I must do this thing. You know, I think I would tell myself to like, hey, relax. If it's supposed to happen, like, it's gonna work. And if it's not, you're gonna get rerouted, and you're gonna find a way to make it happen better or something else happen. You know, I, I guess I would take the enormous amount of worry off of my plate and say it is what it is Kelly you know and and in the beginning I was just it was kind of this like I cannot fail I <laughs> you know it's just, you just take it on in such a way that's different once you've been doing it for long enough and you realize like okay and granted I I see things that are possible now that that weren't then so maybe if I went back and told you know Kelly this a while back she'd slap me and be like go back to the future you don't know what you were talking about <laughs> because it's really hard to understand what someone else is going through if you're not in that space yourself. And I think we see that all over the place, but but it's easy to tell people what we think that they should feel or how they should fix it. But when you're not in that space, space even if it's like earlier Kelly, like past Kelly or future Kelly, like uh, you're not there. That's a different, it's a different time. You're coming from a different perspective. So um, I would say relax overall, but
0: what I'm hearing is you're, you know, let it you gotta let go of the outcome and have trust and faith that it's all gonna work out. This is this is kind of what it is. <laughs> Which I mean I can totally take that advice basically every day, to be completely honest. So I think I think every listener could probably benefit from this. Okay, so then in terms of the lessons, let's say in your case, over the past three years or over the past 12 months, considering that you are so close to your final launch what would be some of the biggest lessons that
1: you learned? I would say reach out sooner for help. I really put it upon myself to make something amazing before sharing it with other people. And I've actually heard other women say that this is something that they do. Um, They'll take something and make it, they try to get to perfection before sharing it with people. And when you share with people what you're working on, oftentimes they'll help you. And so I spent a lot of time trying to perfect before I went out And, and you know what else? The other people that are there along your journey are what make it really, really fun. And so, you know, reaching out to people and just not, it it is lonely. It is really hard. There are times where you're not going to be able to access people. But when you can, don't like pass that up you know, take a moment to say, hey, I'm working on this thing. You know, can you help me or do you want to check it out or whatever? And and don't be afraid of any of the no's. Just know that when you're you're putting yourself out there, the right people will come along and will help and will be interested. And it's a fascinating transformation.
0: I'm so glad you mentioned that because uh, one of the creators uh, I've heard probably a couple months ago, she said, invite your audience into or community into your messy middle because you're going to be more relatable that way. They'll know what you're going through instead of just showing them the final perfect product and then them feeling like, you know, the Instagram versus reality life. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So inviting them to the messy middle. And in terms of building a brand, I guess, how are you doing it right now? Obviously, cheap and cheerful, but what would be your advice for other people who are trying to figure it out?
1: I love cheap and cheerful, by the way. That's so great. But I think for Give List, it seems to me to be pretty easy because it's organic. You know, the people who need it are the the champions of it. And I think that kind of it kind of propagates itself. Um, and, and I haven't done much of anything toward brand or marketing or any of that. And there's been a lot of interest just organically. So I think that it lends itself to a community. What I would love to have is some marketing budget to really like broaden and strengthen that community, like, so I cannot wait until I can kind of bring people in and really, like, get excited with them and, and, you know, have more going on as far as a conversation between our brand and, like, the people out there that can use it. But I think what we have done is just tried to maintain a certain level of integrity in what our messaging is and how deeply we care that, you know, we care about community and giving back to the community and solving problems and kindness, you know, and that our brand is essentially about kindness to the point where um, a lot of times investors get confused where they're like, is this a nonprofit? And I've been told so many times, like ditch the nonprofit that's not serving you. And I'm like, nope, but that is, that is what we're doing. Right. So like, I can't tell you how many times they like, people just are like, no, you just, just stick with the commercial stuff. And I totally get what they're saying. That's the fundable part. That's the like capitalism part. Right. But our brand is helping people and allowing for connection and realness to happen. And so I think we've just tried to stay really true to the kindness aspect, even though that is weirdly kind of non-advised in certain circles. And I think that people are starting to actually kind of get it. And the funny thing is the people who don't want to get it, like I also kind of don't really need them using the brand. <laughs> that sounds terrible. But but the point is exactly like you said earlier, a little bit of like, you know, you you invite your tribe by, by setting up the parameters and the parameters for us are you know integrity and kindness and, and community you know and so just sticking with those things and i can't wait till we can have these bigger conversations with more people involved
0: <laughs> wait so right now the the company is non-for-profit
1: i just confused you yep that's what happens
0: <laughs> I, I was like you know because i i knew it was non for profit but you know i i love the aspect but just that, because um, I know a lot of companies that start as non profits And then, I mean, obviously, as you build community, as you build exposure, you can add more streams to support itself. And I mean, every non profit should have that. So it shouldn't be a an issue. But with you guys, you are starting right off the bed as a... It's both.
1: So we have two companies. And the reason for doing that is because there are non-profits are kind of our biggest users, especially in the beginning. They and like so the profit there, the model itself, the commercial model is just a tool of it's a universal wish list. And that can serve literally anyone, for profit, nonprofit, doesn't matter. But the people who've really grasped onto it are the people who need things for their their companies, their, 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 their nonprofit companies, but their but their organizations, their communities. And Individuals in need. So I think the first people we served were in that space, and we served them through our nonprofit. But we also served them as GiveList would by hosting the list and bringing that awareness, you know, through the platform. So it, there are two companies, and I think it definitely gets confusing to people. And the reason is because we 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 went with the people who needed us the most first, and they they avail themselves to us. They ask if they can use what we're building, and so it's like I'm I'm never gonna. They take that piece out. I mean, perhaps I don't need a, a, a nonprofit as well as a for-profit. But the nonprofit has its own tech and does its own thing and it's separate and it's, it's you know, it just is what it is. But it also kind of, it's just a, a little container for, for a different way to serve people. And so I think that what gets confusing for people is that the nonprofit organizations used us first and use us the most. And so they assume kind of that we are a nonprofit based on that.
0: I saw some yoga pants and some lettuce and lavender and I was like I would want that on my list. So yeah. <laughs> I was I, I you know, I was kind of like I'm the perfect consumer. I I would want to put all my things in there, let it in, you know, float in the ether and then hopefully some of my friends will will get me something for my birthday and it's much easier than everybody's asking what do you want? And you say, no, but if you really want to get me something, just don't get anything or donate or things like that. And I think having a list or just saying, hey, go on a give list and just pick some items from a different list, whatever budget you want, do that.
1: There have been people who have actually offered that as well. A lot of um, corporate gifting kind of people that we want to get to are like, oh, I love this, but I wouldn't have people pick from my list. I'd, I'd have you know, the gifts that were supposed to come to me for my company, like, or whatever incentives, I'd just be like, hey, pick something off this person's list, um, which is so cool of them. And so, you know, it's so interesting, because we have a very broad, we serve very broadly. And I could be- get very specific about who we serve. And I think that's very, um, like, people advise that, right? But in the beginning, I want to see who uses it, I want to see who embraces it, I-, I want to see how we should build the product best for the people who are going to use it the most. You know, I don't want to pick up. A- a group of people without knowing um and so i've just kind of let that be open to to what it might be and i've heard so many cool things that i wouldn't have even thought of you know there are people who are like we want to chip in on a gift Can that be an option we want to you know and so they're giving me all these ways that they want to use this and how it would help them and that, you know that how it would help them piece is where i'm like okay you know this is this is great i love this conversation having a list being able to start to say like i do want things and i do I would like support for my community and just being able to say that, like, especially as, you know, a younger person, maybe early twenties, and you know, you're, you're going off to college or you're doing whatever. and, And people constantly, you know, they ask you, but if there's no way to say, here's what I want, if there's no like vehicle to present like an easy way for them to just, to contribute to you're gonna be like oh it's fine I don't need anything or you know what I mean so I think the exercise of of asking for what you want or, or making it known that you have wishes or hopes or you know things that you would like that's kind of cool and I think there's a lot of um, a much younger crowd that's embracing that there's a lot of this older crowd that's like oh I would never you know but but I love the people who want to play with it and who are interested in having it's it feels a little bit like a conversation you know
0: absolutely and i mean the gifting aspect of things has been popular from i mean the the patreons where you know people fundraise for all kinds of things i think jordan peterson was fundraising for his book and there is a platform called buy me a coffee and there's a few other things where for creators people can add dollar donations for whatever they want so it's been very popular
1: and people ask for venmo transfers in u.s so like it's like bubbling up like it's become a thing and that again it goes to that timing you know question where it's like i think in the past maybe people wouldn't have been so eager to to put out there like i'm building this thing this is what i want this is what i need but because it is something that is starting to kind of i guess trend and open up we want to keep that going you know
0: or a housewarming i mean it's like we had a couple housewarmings, and oh my goodness the stuff that i got um I did not make a wish list. I did not make an Amazon list and I wish I did because then you accept it. is you're grateful and you're happy, but you're like, what am I going to do with this? Yes,
1: exactly. I love the um, SNL skit of the Christmas candle that like makes its way around the world. It's like they reach in their purse and find a candle and that's the gift and it just like, keeps giving. But but I think what what's cool though is that if you're asking for exactly what you want, there's not going to be a bunch of waste generated. And the person gets the satisfaction of knowing like, I just, Succeeded, you know, I just gave them exactly what they wanted. And so there is no question. There's no guesswork There's no, you know, you someone has said I really like this thing and you're like cool I'll get it for you. Like it seems so easy and and it happens with with wedding registries Like why wouldn't we do that level of efficiency on on other levels, you know on other occasions?
0: I like the efficiency and also that it takes the awkwardness out of it because a lot of the times like it's just too much work to even I mean think about when somebody asks think about what do you actually want but if that list is there and you kind of have it ongoing I assume that's the whole idea like you can have it ongoing on there add items remove items it's easy because then if when people ask you just send them a link and if they don't want to do anything that's fine too
1: you know sometimes it's nice For me to go back and revisit because i i put up a list and the list that i have is i can't remember i think it's under anna but um because it's my my middle name but i put it there because i wanted to kind of put up my friends products and kind of make that like sample list that people can use but sometimes i go back there and i'm like oh that's what i wanted like it reminds me that i think there were the last time i looked Um, it was I put a bunch of camping stuff on there and it was almost a way of like manifesting to the universe that I like really want to go outside and I was like really want to go camping so I look at it and I'm like oh, yeah, I do want to do that, you know, so I don't know, it's kind of like this conversation you have with yourself. It's like a wish board, you know, but like, it's like the things that you actually physically need to make the thing happen. It's not just, it's like, I'm putting this wish out there, but I'm also finding the the physical elements or the pieces of it that need to happen so that I can go do this thing. So I don't know, I think there's just some kind of fun to creating the list in the first place and sharing them and having them there. I'm excited to see how people are going to
0: start using the platform and then other ways they're going to get creative and figure it out and integrate it. And I'm pretty sure some of the things we don't even know what's going to happen. So I'm very excited for this year October. In terms of making connections in this digital world, I mean, obviously you've been at it for three years over the past year and a bit, you've probably had to do a lot of stuff just from the comfort of your home online from fundraising to finding new clients to pitching. What's your secret? Is there a secret to reaching out to people, connecting, making a network
1: online? I think that this space has been really a welcoming for that because we've all been in the same place. And I would like to, you know, credit uh, the, one of the good things, if you will, that came out of the pandemic is I think a lot of people feel the same way. We're it, We're connecting more easily in a virtual space because we have to, but it makes us realize like, wow, that wasn't that hard, you know, we should do that more often, you know, and so I think there was like a birthday party where we were all there, and it was, you know, people, we would normally, because we don't live in the same place, just kind of be like, oh, happy birthday, whatever, but we did a Zoom call, and it was like, this is so great, why weren't we doing this before, Um, and so I think the mechanisms exist, I think people will continue doing it, Um, I think, the, the secrets of success is really just like reach out to people that you want to talk to because i as it is right now they're interested in doing the same thing you know and and it's become easier for a lot of people so it's it's there you know it's it's, it's available
0: <laughs> just that easy to just reach out basically like this uh, like this podcast interview just reached out and connected and uh here we are Okay, so any books, resources, podcasts that you can recommend that you listen to or you read where you get your knowledge for anyone who is out there in the entrepreneurship tech ecosystem?
1: Wow, yes. And I've been through so many, it's changed as I as I went. So like what I probably, um, I'm trying to think back to the ones that were very core or fundamental. Brad Feld and Ian um, Hathaway wrote their, you know, startup community way. That was helpful for me because I was building community at the time. And then the, the foundry group, they have that thing about venture capital is venture capital and raising fundraising. And, and that was a really hard concept for me to understand and get my mind around at the time. And so I think I took that course maybe like twice just to kind of sit through and be like, and familiarize myself with what, what it, it looked like to go through fundraising. Cause it's just, I think for a lot of founders, that's not like the, that's not a very comfortable space, you know, and in the terms, it can be very scary because you're, you're you're up against people who've been doing this, you know, for like half their lives and you're coming in brand new and you're like, uh, where are the like loopholes that are going to make me lose everything? You know, it's, it's a very scary space. So that was super helpful um, when it came to fundraising. I think um, the books about building lean were all very important to me like the lean startup and the, uh, oh gosh, I forget some of the, but, but one of the ones that's so great, you know, how I built this, I think a lot of people have recommended that to me. And it's just that, you know, kind of more intimate side of what founders go through. And I think the part that makes it very accessible where you're like, okay, like regular people do have stories about building something, you know, from nothing and it happens, you know, I think one thing too that I think about now is, you know, like in the past, I think when I was super stressed and what I was saying about, you know, past me, like calm down, I think at that time, failure threatened me. And now if I were to come face to face with failure, I'd be like, <laughs> like, that's it. Like, I learn from this. I grow from this. Like failure is something that I now kind of like, it's not that I like look forward to it, but it's like if I see it, I'm going this is going to make me better. You know, I don't know. It just, any of the books and resources that just show you how to keep going and be scrappy and and do your thing, like, and, and how other people did it. Those are just awesome.
0: Ah, thank you for sharing. And yes, it is true. Failure does not exist. It's just lessons learned. Just rinse, repeat and go back stronger.
1: Yeah, It's valuable if you let it be very valuable.
0: Right? ah, uh, so, so true. And that's that's what separates great entrepreneurs and successful entrepreneurs from the ones who don't make it, basically. so i'm I'm glad that you mentioned that, Okay, so everyone on the show, uh, we ask a millennial is a millennial should be, and a millennial is not. A millennial is
1: inspiring and capable of changing things the way that. They want them to be in the way that maybe things make more sense to be. The world has been the same in a lot of respects for a very long time. And I think we're in a really cool space where the millennials sit in like this opportunity place where it's like, there's a lot there. So I see inspiration and opportunity with millennials. A millennial should be anything they want because a millennial is it spans so many years that weirdly should almost be broken down into smaller ones but like it goes back to the whole thing of the guy is the limit and and it's all there for you like don't be a millennial you know in a way that you have to feel beholden to that you know just it's i think it's i think it's a great place to be so
0: you're absolutely right. And I mean, that's kind of why that we started the podcast, because there is this this notion that millennials are lazy and entitled. And I'm like, millennial is anyone, according to research from 24 years old of age to 40. And, like, and the, it completely shifts every single year, <laughs> that gap. And there's a lot
1: of people in that age gap. So not everyone is lazy or entitled. <laughs> so that's the is not, you know, that's what the, kind of that. And I think um, is not someone you can cage in and, and classify. I just see so much potential. And I think one of the things is like you're burdened with so much and solving so much. There are so many problems that were never problems before. There are problems that no one has ever solved because they never ever came across them. I just have so much hope and inspiration for everything that that this you know kind of swath of of people can do and the world is moving so much faster. I mean, just in the last four years, the amount of technology that I can do things with AI that I couldn't dream of. I was blown away when I used uh, like AI for copywriting. I was like, wait, what? (laughs) So, I mean, there are possibilities, there's technology, there are things that no one has ever faced. and, And the millennials are kind of sitting right in that space of having to deal with that. So... Which offers a
0: lot of opportunities and I love that because I mean even building a platform right from scratch when you don't have the knowledge as long as you have an idea everything else is out there from AI platform from copywriting to a uh, bubble.io uh, you can build basically your whole platform mock up without knowing a line of code it's all out there you just have to piece it all together which is yeah
1: you're right and so is not do not be saddled with whatever people talk about you know a millennial is because the a millennial represents like that flexible place of we're going to have to solve these problems and we're doing it
0: Love it. Oh, thank you so much. Okay. So where do our listeners find you? Where do they connect with you?
1: So I think um, for the nonprofit work we've been doing, we've been posting a decent amount on our like Facebook group and Instagram. The Instagram is underscore give list underscore. And I think probably we put the most out there as far as like, you know, keeping up with like the social stuff. I think, you know, pretty soon when we do this fundraise, we'll be putting out more. But the website, givelist.com, should be changing and should have. Have, you know start having updates where people can do more things with it. So that is our next space this fundraise uh the, the wefunder we'll start start going out about that but love it. So for
0: people who want to help and get involved in the crowdfunding where would they go where do they just follow on Instagram and find out the news when it's going to come out?
1: Yeah, I think we will be putting it on Instagram and like, I, I, for some reason, that's just where we channel everything at the moment. I think it's just because there's just so many things available, but, um, but we'll have, we'll have information on the website and so we'll probably make announcements on Instagram and Facebook and like whatever else considered doing some TikTok stuff, but it's like totally labor intensive. Like it takes so long if you're not like amazing at it, it's just like, oh, I'm still doing this. It's been 25 minutes. I got stuff to do. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so we'll be putting stuff out on social and we will be doing our best to to make sure that we're driving people to the website because we're gonna make a separate page on the website for it and, and probably be within the next month.
0: Oh, absolutely love it. Excited to see all the progress this year and I mean, anything else that you would like to add that we haven't discussed?
1: Um, I would just love to say that I'm grateful for what you're doing. I think it's awesome that I got to talk to you today. It was very um, uplifting. And, you know, earlier I mentioned reaching out to women if you are a woman. And I I have to just salute the the pioneers, you know, the people that are going out and starting something that didn't exist before. They're making the way for the people behind them to, to, to be able to see that that's available or that they can do it, you know, would they may not have even considered it, you know, thank you to everyone who is going out there, especially the underrepresented groups of people, you doing what you're doing is, is shining a spotlight and making it available to the people who are following you. Um, and so I think that's, you know, just go out there inspire, do good things. And, and you, I think people don't recognize how easy it is to influence or change someone's life just with like the, the most easy bit of encouragement or kindness.
0: I love, I love the final thoughts. Thank you so much for spending this time with me. Um, you're welcome anytime. And I'm sure we'll do another follow-up after the platform fully launches to see how it's going. Thank you so
1: much. I appreciate your time.